Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. A happy Tuesday to you. I don't know how happy it is for Baker Mayfield. We will get into all of that. Welcome aboard. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show. He is Aaron Torres. Find him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me, Dan Bayer, on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. Today's show brought to you by Discover. Real credit card questions require real people. Someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. Uh, we need some real questions for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, Aaron Torres. Last night, uh, going to be the last time that we see Baker Mayfield this season. It's in a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And while it was all about Ben Roethlisberger during the game last night, it was all about Baker Mayfield after. For those that may have missed it, maybe you missed Isaac mentioning it. No Baker Mayfield in Week 18. Browns are shutting him down. Now the question is, is this the last time that we see Baker Mayfield in a Browns uniform as his future after last night's game, I think, is in serious doubt. Dan, first of all, uh, thank you for having me as always, man. Uh, Pleasure to be in with you. And, yes, uh, it's a tough conversation, right? And and, um, anytime you have it, we have to contextualize that, as Isaac just said, Baker's going in for surgery. He's not going to play in week 18 this coming week. But listen, man, you know, I've been a Baker defender from day one, loved him at Oklahoma, loved the flag plant, loved everything, the energy that he brought. And I thought he was the right guy for this organization when he was drafted. He had the swag, he had the karma, he had the confidence, not the karma, the, the, I forget the word I'm looking for, but the swag and the confidence. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was perfect for this team at that time. The problem is the organization has evolved around him. Uh, Nick Chubb has become a star. Jarvis Landry has become in. Miles Garrett is in. And this is a team, and I know you know this, Dan, because listen, and this is no criticism at all, but I know you picked them to, to make a run to the Super Bowl this year, and I think a lot of us thought that that was their ceiling. And Why are you bringing that up? What's well, the deal? You know, what's the I, deal, I, Torres? You got I'm bringing, it up. <laughs> I'm bringing it up because uh, I'm bringing it up because th- this is the point, is that you know, I go back to even just a few weeks ago on Christmas Day, and I'm watching that game, and they're going to toe-for-toe with the Packers. And the one difference was the Packers had an all-world quarterback, and they didn't. And I bring it up because I think the Super Bowl prediction was a smart prediction by you. I think all the other pieces are there, Dan Beyer, but I don't think they have a Super Bowl-winning caliber quarterback. And as you know, in this league, if you don't have a quarterback, you have nothing. And that would concern me going forward if you're the Cleveland Browns is all the other pieces are there. But do you have the, the right quarterback? And I don't think they do. Yeah, I, I did think that they were going to win the division. I didn't put them in the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. I was in the My Super apologies. Bowl. But no, that's okay. I, I also said at week four when they played that magnificent game against the Chargers that the Chargers ended up winning, that you would have seen that game in the playoffs, in the divisional playoffs. So I had the Browns in the final four of the AFC at least uh, in, in week four or five, whenever that matchup was against the Bolts, because I did believe in them uh, that much. I It is easy to blame Baker Mayfield in all of this. And I think that a lot of what you said, you know, when when the Browns drafted him, they felt that he was going to be that difference maker. I do think some of the some of the the blame 
though, does go on the Cleveland Browns. And I think that the, what, what Kevin Stefanski and his team did this season, when you look at the Indianapolis Colts, I'll put it this way, Jonathan Taylor is in the MVP discussion, right? I mean, he is, whether he wins it or not against uh, the likes of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, the other candidates, Jonathan Taylor put himself in that conversation. And the Colts are a team that has a strong offensive line, had a questionable quarterback this entering the season, and maybe some questionable weapons on the outside. I think you could say the same exact thing about the Cleveland Browns. When you look at how they enter the year, Cleveland's got one of the best lines in in the NFL. They have a running game, but you had questions maybe about Baker Mayfield this season, and you had maybe questions about some of their weapons on the outside. And everything has gone wrong for Baker Mayfield this season, but I think the Browns are a bit to blame in this because, to your point of how good is Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is a beast and there are very few people who run like Nick Chubb in the NFL yet Nick Chubb and I understand that he's played three less games than Jonathan Taylor has this season but Nick Chubb has 98 fewer carries than Jonathan Taylor at no point in this season did Nick Chubb get 25 carries a game and last night Aaron it seemed to me that the Browns were bending over backwards to try to find out more about Baker Mayfield all while he was hurt and it, it was almost like they were trying to prove their point that this is the reason we can't give him a contract extension. I, I, I think that a divorce is inevitable between these two sides. But I think that Cleveland deserves at least some of the blame as well for how this season is, has been handled because Nick Chubb should have been your bell cow when he was healthy on the field. They've got depth at the running back position more than maybe most teams in the NFL, but yet they're putting all of this on Baker Mayfield. Fair or unfair, I think that the Cleveland Browns also deserve a share of the blame here. I actually agree with you 100%. And, and it's funny, again, be, you know, having done the show on Christmas Day, I was doing my normal Saturday slot, is, again, it was what we talked about for four hours. And while, you know, myself, Jason Martin, the guy I host with, were very critical of Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, that was another takeaway of mine is that I do think a lot of this falls on Kevin Stefanski, right? Because not just because of last night, but, but because I really feel like, look, um, players – you know, players want to play, right? And and we see it all the time in baseball when a starting pitcher doesn't want to come out and the manager has to grab the ball from him and say, you know, hit the showers. You, you did the best that you could out there. Uh, it's the same in football. It's the same, it's the same everywhere across the board. And so I bring it up because that's been my argument is is it's twofold in that Baker, if you feel healthy enough to play, you are responsible for what happens on the field when you step between those white lines. But at the same time, if he is not healthy enough to play, and I think there is a you know, fair amount of evidence that maybe he wasn't, then it's on the coach to say, Baker, we appreciate the sacrifice that you're trying to make for this team, but you're doing us no favors by trying to step onto the field when you are less than 100%. I would add, it's not as though the Browns don't have a capable backup in Case Keenum. It's not as though Case Keenum has not won big games in his career. It's not as though Case Keenum has not won playoff games in his career. And so that that has been kind of a takeaway of mine as well, Dan, is it's easy to pile on Baker. I think he deserves a lot of the scorn that he gets, but I do put a lot of this on Kevin Stefanski as well because you have to know the pulse of your football team and you have to know that a guy is going to want to go out there if he can physically step onto that field. And sometimes it's your job as a coach to say, look, we know you're doing it for the good of the team, but for the good of the team, you actually need to hold the clipboard and stand next to me. Yeah, there, there were times when we thought Baker wasn't going to play 
and then he ended up playing. And the only time I believe he sat out was that Thursday night game that they had against Denver because of the uh, the short week. So uh, well, Baker yeah, Mayfield's he had uh, the COVID game well, with uh, the Raiders, but oh yeah, that's right that 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 one is as well. But uh, the in, when it came to his injury, yes, correct. I think that was the only game that they held him out because he mm-hmm. wasn't a full go or wasn't completely healthy. Uh, Baker Mayfield after last night's game did talk about what this season was like and how he gave it his all in the 2021 campaign it's not going to always be pretty or smooth but um i'm a fighter if anybody ever questions how much i want it just turn on this tape that wasn't pretty but i kept going kept swinging um that's who i am and that's what i continue to be i've continued to lay it out on the line when i haven't been healthy tried to fight for our guys right now i'm, I'm pretty damn beat up to be honest with you and there's no way around it um i gave it everything i had tonight Real quick, Dan, can I jump in? Yeah, go ahead. You talked about um, the idea that maybe the Cleveland Browns spent part of last night kind of forcing it with Baker to prove, hey, he's not the guy. Mm -hmm. Do you not think that 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 lead in to what he said was not Baker fighting for himself? I'm a fighter. I'll be honest, I haven't been healthy, but I've done yeah. it for the team. Do Because that, to me, sounds like a guy that he's either, whether he's fighting for a roster spot somewhere next year or he's fighting to keep this job with the Cleveland Browns, that, that sounded like a guy that was saying, hey, exactly what you and I just said, Dan, don't put all of this on me. Yeah, and the, the message as well coming out of last night, which we now know the answer to today was, Baker also said that he was going to talk it over with his, with his team and with his family and, and how – you know, how they were going to move on. Last night was a game. There was a question on whether Baker Mayfield should have played last night, mm-hmm. which tells you all you need to know where the Browns were. It was it was almost as if Cleveland was trying to say, see, this is why we aren't giving him his contract extension. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I don't believe that they should have given him that contract extension. I think that they played it correctly. But there were some in NFL circles, even up to midseason of this year, even when he had some of his ups and downs, that felt that it was going to be a done deal. It wasn't going to be a $40 million contract for Baker Mayfield, but that he would get a deal done. And I just don't think that that was the case. I think it was a big sign when they didn't get an extension done prior to this season. And I think how this has played out, him being hurt or not, uh, they really tried to prove a point to say, like, see, we are going to get try to give him – I think they tried to frame it as we're going to give him every opportunity to try to prove us. But when you're so banged up, how can you prove it? And now it's gotten so bad that I just don't think – I don't think that the fans believe in him. I think yeah. that he would have to – severely uh, outplay what he did last year when he had a pretty good season. I just I don't think that it mixes. And I think that if he's around next year, I I just I don't see a lot of good coming from Cleveland if he is 100 percent healthy. Well, you know what else is hurting Baker Mayfield right now? Um, Odell Beckham is catching touchdown passes again in L.A. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was and, and it's funny because I think I was on with you or maybe Steve Hartman on that first Sunday uh, when Odell got traded and the Browns played Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who were all of a sudden, ca- you know, can't do anything wrong. And Baker was the better quarterback that day. And Joe Burrow threw this big pick six and, and, and you know, Baker and the Browns rolled. And you think, wait a second now. Maybe Odell was part of the problem. And since then, the Browns have gone in a complete wrong direction uh, post-Odell. Post, uh, post they have not won – you know, the, their only wins were a sloppy win against the Lions and then, the, you know, the, the, the win against the Ravens uh, off the bye. The Rams, of course, are surging, and I'm not saying that Odell is the main reason why or anything like that, but they're playing well. He's making touchdowns. 
touchdown grabs. I think it's all just it, it, it is kind of, as you said, it's kind of a, a almost in a weird way, a perfect storm around Baker Mayfield where everyone can kind of point fingers. Look at what Odell's doing. Look at what the expectations were coming into the year. Look at what Nick Chubb's doing. Look at what the defense is doing. And Baker is the one guy that's taking a lot of arrows for a lot of different people. I look at just I look at Carson Wentz's season and how it's sure. it's been pretty much a, a a rousing success with the Indianapolis Colts and what he's done. And I'm not trying to excuse Baker's turnover, and I'm not trying to excuse Baker maybe not being able to answer to that pressure. I had said at the start of the year that I felt he was the the there was if there was one player in the NFL that had the most pressure on him, it was Baker Mayfield. Sure. I thought Russell Wilson was number two because Wilson had the opportunity to uh, to pick his offensive coordinator after chirping so much last offseason. But I thought number one was Baker. And I think the Browns in the end will point to and say, well, he didn't necessarily live up to it. Injury or not, this was not the season that we needed. And they are going to miss out on the playoffs after ending that drought last year. Fair yeah, or unfair. I- Yeah, fair or unfair, and that's what I was going to say is exactly that, is that, um, you know, I I still think to what we said a minute ago, part of this is on Kevin Stefanski, players want to play, players want to suit up, players want to get on the field, Uh, but this, some of this could have been avoided um, even, uh, you know, coming out of the bye, obviously you're playing, you know, there, there there were chances to get this guy more rest, there were chances to just tell him point blank, you can't go out there. You're you're hurting us. Not that you're hurting us in a. I don't know how to say it. In that it, you're doing yourself more harm as well as the team more harm. But there were opportunities from the Browns organization as well. But I'm with you. Is it just feels like really since, to, in my opinion, and and you you might have a different perspective on this, Dan. But it really feels like since about Christmas Day standalone game, we now know 30 million or so people were watching that game on Fox. Uh, it just feels like the tide for Baker Mayfield, even those that were defending him, even those that said he's injured, he's banged up, give him more time. It feels like the last two or three weeks since then, it's been all downhill for Baker. Yeah, it really has been. And yes, I did pick the Browns in the AFC Championship game. So there was... It's not your fault. Blame I, I, Baker. I like it. like Stefanski is. Yeah, yeah, I believed. I also believe Aaron Rodgers is going to go to Cleveland. I've, I've felt that way for a little while. Mm-hmm. I think the Alex Van Pelt Rodgers connection team in the AFC, I think that that's going to happen as well. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb today. Glad to have you with us. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Chris Sims, NFL analyst for NBC Sports, going to be joining us in a bit. Plus, Isaac Lohenkron will give us the latest of what is happening uh, around sports. A lot of happenings actually going on today, so Isaac will fill us in in a bit. But just a few days ago, it was uh, a new year, and uh, 2022 is here. We're still in that window to... Say Happy New Year. I think this was a discussion on the Dan Patrick Show. I think you got two weeks to be able to do so. And if you haven't seen anybody since then, you can obviously wish a Happy New Year. I also think, Aaron, as we bring in the crew with this as well, Jason Stewart and John Ramos and Isaac Lohenkron, that it's an opportunity for us to still have resolutions in uh, in our lives. We're only three days in. If you want to better yourselves, you can uh, obviously make resolutions, maybe a few days late. I, I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to give some resolutions to, uh, I don't know, those in the sporting world. You game with this, Aaron? I'm in. I'm in. Uh, Johnny Ramos, back off of his eight-week vacation. Are you, uh, <laughs> are you in? It was only seven and a half, Dan. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Yes, I am in. 
Jason Stewart here as well. Uh, I know he's lining them up. Isaac Longcron's got his ready at the news desk. I'll start it out, guys. Uh, NFL, the NFL, I got a resolution for the National Football League, all right? Uh, their resolution for the NFL for 2022, make Uber the official rideshare program for players who quit during games. That should be Ooh. the resolution of the NFL to make Uber <laughs> their official rideshare program in case, I don't know, a player wants to quit <laughs> at some time in the third quarter. The NFL's resolution for 2022. I like Aaron, that. Here's who, who, me. Am I, am yeah. I up or? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, my resolution is for the sports media. Mm. Um, you are allowed to have an opinion on players opting out of bowl games, but that opinion is only allowed to be that player should do what is best for them. And maybe it's because I was on air during the Matt Corral saga, but the number of sports media members that took a victory lap because a kid went down with injury because they think that a kid should not play in a bowl game it was actually kind of disturbing, Dan. And so, uh, you know, my stance I, has always been. Yeah, I was go, go, go ahead. My stance is pretty clear. Everyone should do what's best for them. So I love it because I also sometimes just root for my fantasy advice. Uh, in, in like not my own fantasy team, the advice I give because I just want to be right. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case with Jason Stewart this past weekend. Um, I only take some of the responsibility, Jason. Uh, your New Year's resolution. Who is it for and what do you got? And by the way, yeah, starting Kareem Hunt didn't didn't pan out in my Super Bowl. Uh, so, um, are you guys uh, aware of this this uh, scenario? I guess my resolution is for anybody who calls uh, football games anywhere. It's when a fumble happens and there's a massive scrumble, and inevitably the commentator says. Minnesota says they got it when when nobody knows. So that third guy that deep who's not even in the scrum pointing their way says he's got it. I need uh, commentators to stop I, falling for that one. I, I would love it if a player is like, no, we don't. It's the other team's ball. It's only fair. Like if they pointed the other way, just like that sportsmanship commercial where that, PSA. Where that, co- where that kid totally cost his team the game by telling him that the ball was out of bounds on him. You know, hey. That's your own fault. That would be great. Really, really quick, oh. I want to add one in the same vein. Uh, yes. Can we stop calling every surgery a successful surgery? Oh, uh, Russell Westbrook <laughs> underwent successful surgery today. Yeah, no, I mean, unless the doctor comes out and says, yeah, I screwed up. Uh, we know the su- surgery was successful. We don't need it to be called a successful surgery every time a guy goes down. So thank you. Uh, John Ramos, what do you got for resolutions? Uh, my resolution would be also to the NFL, Dan, just like you said. But their resolution should be to just go ahead and give the Jacksonville Jaguars to England. Oh, and end the pain. <laughs> end the pain for Jacksonville, Florida. Just say, hey, you know what? We're going to send you to England. I know it's been talked about for the last couple of years, but go ahead. Go now and leave, leave Jacksonville alone, please. I, I've got one for the Washington football team. Uh, get railings that work. How about that no. one? <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, that's got to be now for 2023 because that did not happen in 2022, as we saw on Sunday. Get railings that actually work so fans aren't falling on their face. Uh, let's head over to the news desk with Isaac Lowenkron giving us the latest. Isaac, any, any resolutions for any teams, players, leagues, anything you want to pass along? Yes, for Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr and Ohio State head coach Ryan Day to stop coloring their hair. No. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a natural black for Ryan Day. 
Looks darker today, Bob. Oh, thank you very much, Isaac. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Aaron Torres filling in for Doug Gottlieb today. Joining us now, as he does every week throughout the NFL season, he's an NFL analyst that you could see on NBC, doing so for NBC Sports. Chris Sims, former NFL quarterback, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Happy New Year, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you as well. And, and, and let's get right into what we saw last night. Uh, a rough going for Baker Mayfield. Browns shutting him down for Week 18, not going to play. I guess my question to you, Chris, was it was a rough, rough season injury-wise for him. But but was last year Baker's ceiling, or, or is there more for him if, if he becomes healthy? What do you foresee in the future of Baker Mayfield? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Well, yeah, I think something what we saw towards down the stretch last year is about what his ceiling is. I, I don't ever expect him to turn into Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or that type of quarterback, but certainly has shown little snippets, you know, four or five game stretches throughout his career where you've gone, oh, wow. I mean, okay, I mean, his arm is real. He can make some game-changing throws and, of course, has, you know, some moxie and some gamesmanship about him that I do like, certainly. You know, but you said it, he played – Beat up this year, certainly. That did not help them. You know, they're, they have decent weapons at the receiver position, but not great. It's not a great scheme either. You know, one thing I've always questioned on my podcast or my pro football talk with Florio is just I don't think their pass offense is good enough to stand alone when the run game doesn't dominate. So you saw some of those issues last night too. But, no, there's still some unknowns about Baker Mayfield. You know, I like Baker Mayfield, but it, it's been it's been all over the place, and I certainly wouldn't give him a long-term contract. You know, after what we've seen through four years here, I, I need a little more evidence. I, at least if I was Cleveland, and uh, he's got the fifth-year option, they've already you know made that happen, and I would take next year to evaluate all of this and and go forward from there. Chris, you know, you mentioned the scheme from Kevin Stefanski, but how much is on Stefanski just from the perspective that? Players are always going to want to play. And how much is it on him as the coach to just say, dude, we love your effort, we love your heart, but you're hurting this team more than helping us trying to play through these injuries. And maybe it's not the whole season, but sit him for a week, sit him for a game, whatever it right. may be, because I feel like part of this is on Stefanski too. Well, I, I agree with you there. I don't disagree at all. I mean, you could certainly blame you know some of that stuff. Hey, why wasn't Odell Beckham Jr. more involved in the offense? That's, those are Stefanski things, no doubt. You know, what, what was the approach to the game last night? I mean, what were they really trying to do early on in the football game? I couldn't figure it out. It's the worst run defense in football. And it's they were like, oh, let's not run it and try to do something else. But your point's very real. You know, that's where a coach comes into play. He's got to save the player from himself. The player's always going to want to play and compete, especially at quarterback. Nobody, I mean, quarterbacks are that way anyways as far as their DNA is concerned. But also with a guy like Baker Mayfield's you know, uh, situation, the other thing you have to take into account is he's not going to come out, not only because he's a competitor and likes to play, but he doesn't want the backup to go in and have success. And now everybody go, do we really need Baker Mayfield? You know, or should, should we move, move on? Or is Case Keenum playing better than Baker Mayfield? And that's always part of the equation, too. And, you know, yes, I think you are right. Stefanski... Certainly, I think, could have gauged that. I don't, I don't want to say better. I wasn't there to know all the details, but that is his job to do that. Or, you know, like, let's look at last week. Oh, beat up, beat up, beat up. Don't get to practice for the whole week. 
you got COVID, and now you got to play the Green Bay Packers. Like maybe that was a week also where you go, you know what? I love you, Baker, and I love your competitive desire, but I just don't think it's the right formula for you to play this week. Oh, that's right. He threw four interceptions in that game. So I definitely think there's some, you know, some questions there to be had for Kevin Stefanski in that department. Chris Sims joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug. I know this may be different because you're a former player and, and you view peers differently, but Aaron and I were talking earlier on last night wasn't romantic as Ben Roethlisberger left, and we do that a lot in the NFL. We romanticize, especially quarterbacks, when they're riding off in the sunset. Why do you think that maybe is when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger and, and, and how we view him in his career? Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's a little different. You know, he's, uh, I, you know, I guess there's a, a little polarizing whether people like him as a person, don't like him as a person. You know, some people, you know, everybody I think knows how good he is. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea as far as style of play. You know, sure. I think there was some, some of the off-field off issues that, you know, early in his career that kind of, you know, turned people away from him that way. Um, and I also think, you know, I'll give him credit. I don't think he's a guy that wanted to make it too much of a romantic love affair this year. Uh, I've really known for about 10 weeks that this was his last year. He had been telling people around the league, you know, that this was it. And I do give him credit for kind of just making it about the team, not making it about him down the stretch. Uh, but it, it, it is interesting. It was weird ending. I get you. You know, I, I wish he would have took that last snap and ran around the stadium and took his helmet off and waved to everybody and done all that. But maybe that's not in his DNA either. Either way, Big Ben is special. And to me, you know, I, I would say arguably, you know, he's in the conversation, in my opinion, for around the top ten greatest quarterbacks ever. You know, again, it's not Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady type stuff where he's surgical. You know, where Big Ben was different, and maybe this is where people didn't always love it. I mean, we know Big Ben. He wanted, let's eat sandwiches, drink beers. Hey, don't coach me too much. I just want to go out here and play. Don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, convolute my brain with thoughts and things like that. He was the ultimate backyard quarterback. But, man, he was a playmaker with an unbelievable arm, you know, clutch in big moments. And really, my thing I'll always talk about with Big Ben, 2008, 2009, 2010, team was going to the Super Bowl, one of the best teams in football, and really one of the worst offensive lines in football. You know, that's rare that you have a team that can go that far in the playoffs or do that, and that was because of Big Ben. His ability to throw in a crowded pocket or with people all around him, but yeah, I think it's a, a, a weird question, or it's a good question. I don't know if I really have the answer for it as far as, you know, why it wasn't quite as, you know, romantic as you put it. Cardinals beat the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon, Chris. Is that more an indictment of us burying the Cardinals too early or crowning the Cowboys after a win against the bad Washington team the other night? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. It is. You know, both teams have some flaws, definitely. You know, I think if we start out, you know, from the Cowboys side of the football, the Cowboys offense is the issue right now. That would be the thing I look at. You know, the defense played good. It wasn't their best performance the other day. You know, a few too many penalties, but they played good enough to win that football game. The offense is where I question them going into the playoff run here. There's a few issues. One, offensive line is overrated. It's just not that special of an offensive line. You know, they have an average average left guard, an average center. Tyrone Smith is good, but he's no longer just great, unbelievable that way. 
You know, so there the running game's not as good. The offensive passing attack is very simple. I mean, it really is. And if the run game's not working, it just gets, you know, amplified even more. The Cardinals were all over some of their pass game stuff. They had no chance. Dak is a little bit off, you know, and the Cardinals, it's not that much different from them. I mean, they have a lot of talent. You know, they really do. I don't love their passing offense either. It's a lot of screens and short passes and run the ball. And then just, ooh, if you play one-on-one, we take a shot down the field. Both teams are dangerous if they get in the playoffs. It's a weird year in the NFL. It really is. There's no great team. It's going to be all about the matchups that are had in a week-to-week basis in the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked if either one of these teams was in the NFC Championship game. I wouldn't be shocked if either one of these teams got knocked out in round one. You know, that's where they are. Mm -hmm. There's some good things about these teams, but there are some flaws I see that certainly concern me. And and maybe the Cincinnati Bengals can be thrown into this. Chris Sims joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What is the Bengals' ceiling? I mean, do they max out by winning the AFC North? I mean, I know they're coming off of a win against Kansas City. It was in the number one spot. But but is it all gravy now here for Cincinnati, or do you think there could be more for the Bengals? Uh, no, I, I think there could be more, too. Here, you know, again, I, I don't look at any team in the AFC and just go, oh, wow. I mean, they all got to fix this and do this to play to that level of that number one team if they want to beat them. There, there, there's There's none of that. You know, the Bengals are as talented as anybody uh, in the conference. They are. Their offense is as creative and as good as any offense in, in the NFL. You know that. You see the weapons, but the system is good, too. The only thing I can, can, I'm concerned about a little with their offense is they're not great at protecting Joe Burrow. It's not the best O-line there. They're young still. Defensively talented, you know, but I wish they would do a little bit more, maybe be a hair more creative, but still – you saw they gave Mahomes and company issues in the second half of that football game. So, again, I'm not trying to be a coward here. I'm usually the guy that kind of stands <laughs> on the table and goes, I like these teams, and they're going to – that's usually who I am. But, uh, again, and even in the AFC, I look at it and go, I mean, if you told me Tennessee, Kansas City, the Bengals, Buffalo, New England, or even the Colts were in the AFC championship game, I wouldn't be surprised by any of it. I really wouldn't. It is a true matchup year, and I do think Cincinnati is, is can seriously make a run uh, this year at it, no doubt about it. In the NFC, you know, another team that's red hot, the Rams. They won, obviously, five in a row. No, it was a close win, uh, you know, against Baltimore the other day. But, Chris, I mean, take us through, you know, one, their evolution, obviously integrating o- Odell. But I also look at, yeah, it was only a one-point win. Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson. But it's also, uh, you know, third game in 12 days. They played on a Tuesday, second straight road game. I thought all things considered to come out with a win was pretty impressive. I agreed with you there. Um, I like everything about the Rams right now. I've, I've kind of been saying this on my podcast, Chris Sims of Button, the last few weeks. I break down plays. Defense has got it going. They got a little run game going. Special teams is playing good. The million-dollar question is Matthew Stafford, and I'm a Matthew Stafford supporter. I always have been. I put him in my Chris Sims top 40 every year and make him a top 10 quarterback. And people always kind of yell at me and go, oh, you're crazy and all that. But, you know, I don't know if it's the, the burden of expectations, the Vikings game, so many stupid plays. I mean, really, more stupid than the stat sheet would show. show. You saw some of the plays last week against the Ravens. The Seahawks game on that Tuesday you were talking about was playing good for a period of time and then just, 
through a horrible interception. He's the one that I think we got to watch here. And I love Matthew Stafford and his talent. But I do think McVay and company, I'd like to see them manage him a little bit to a degree. It doesn't have to be so wide open and think we got to throw the ball all over the place with Matthew Stafford just because he has this great arm. You know, I would let's just run the Jared Goff offense and just expand it a little bit more because you got a guy who can really throw the ball and stretch the field that way. But to me, guys, uh, the Rams really good. He is the question mark though about their football team and how deep they can you know make a run in this playoff. Final one for me is Chris Sims joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Find him on Twitter at CSimsQB. Jim Harbaugh's name now coming up, maybe making a return to the NFL. Do you think that Jim Harbaugh would be as successful in a return to the NFL as he was the first time around if he came back? I, I, listen, I, I can't stand Jim Harbaugh. I don't like him, all right? So I'm just going to put that out there right now. Like, I really don't. He was so rude to me one of the first times I ever met him. I root <laughs> against him publicly all the time. So I'm just going to let you know that. I say it all the time on TV, whatever. He is a good football coach, though. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. He knows how to organize the troops and, and be an overseer to go, hey, this is the right way to play this game and all that. The one thing I'll say with Jim Harbaugh where I think you've got to be careful if you hire him as an owner is his offense stinks, and he sticks his nose into the offense too much. And it's, it's prehistoric. It was prehistoric with the 49ers. It's been prehistoric at all his college stops, and it's just hard to win that way. The 49ers team he was coaching early on in the 2010s was – the most dominant, physical, superior team maybe I've ever seen in my life. They were amazing. So they could get away with, you know, running the ball up the middle with Frank Gore and just a few play-action passes with Kaepernick. And, of course, him, you know, getting in there and Greg Roman doing those run plays expanded their offense. But that's my worry about Harbaugh. That would be the only thing, you know. But I respect his coaching ability and how he can get a team on track. But, yes, I don't like his offensive mind and – as I've told you already, I don't like him at all. And, of course, uh, Chris Sims joining us here on Fox Sports Radio, co-host of uh, PFT Live and also the Unbutton Podcast. And see him on NBC Sports uh, talking NFL every week. And, Chris, we appreciate it. We appreciate you coming on every week. And uh, can't wait to do it again next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Be good. Have a good rest of your week. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. In this new year, Aaron, the transfer portal has heated up in college football like no other. And yesterday, Caleb Williams threw a can of gasoline on it by announcing that he was entering the transfer portal. Soon after, Dylan Gabriel announced he'd be transferring to Oklahoma from UCF. So yesterday was maybe the high point in transfer portal-ness, but Caleb Williams, the one that really set things off yesterday. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people thought was going to happen probably a month or five weeks ago when Lincoln Riley left. And so um, this is the world that we live in now. And and listen, I know Doug's been very outspoken about all this stuff over the last few weeks, but this is the world that we live in. And kids have this opportunity now where for any reason, but especially when a coach leaves, um, when a coach, you know, when when. We can sit here and say that a player of Caleb Williams' caliber, oh, he chose Oklahoma because of Oklahoma. No, he chose Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley. And so I know we're going to get into some of the other nuance of it, and I don't know where you stand, so I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think when you choose a school clearly because their coach has put together, you know, has put out multiple Heisman Trophy winners, including Baker Mayfield, who we were just talking about, um, and that coach leaves, 
I have no problem with a kid kind of sitting back and saying, you know what, this is my career. I only get one shot at this. I have to look at all of my options that are on the table, uh, whether it is staying at this school or considering going somewhere else. I, I think that when you break it down, every every time you see a guy entering the transfer portal, you can actually understand why he did it. Sure. If you are the backup quarterback and you, let's say you lose a starting job, let's just take Joe Burrow, for example, and he ends up transferring to LSU. It's because, hey, I want to try to make it to the NFL. I want to go and play somewhere else instead of being behind Dwayne Haskins. I need an opportunity to do that. And there are a lot of quarterbacks that have done that. This one, when you look at it and you say, wow, Caleb Williams goes to Oklahoma and uh, has a great freshman season under Lincoln Riley, and now Lincoln Riley is gone. And you're saying to yourself, man, how does, how does Caleb Williams fit in all of this and where does he want to go? Whether he would have followed Lincoln Riley to USC or not, I still think that it's a legitimate reason and a reason why Caleb Williams should be allowed to transfer. The issue that I see is actually more of the Dylan Gabriel sort of aspect, Aaron, where I just think that the I think the rich keep getting richer. And maybe I was naive when Transfer Portal and Name, Image, and Likeness came in. I thought it would help maybe some of the middle programs even some things out, allow them to have some of their players make money. But that has not been the case. And what I worry about are, let's say Group of Five has a great year. You go 11-1, and one, you're in the rankings, you know, you have an opportunity to play in the New Year's Six Bowl, and now your head coach gets one of those power jobs that open because the head coach left for the, uh, for the NFL. What happens? That coach moves on. Now that whole entire program that had that one good year is entirely stripped, and the rich get richer because not only do you get a head coach, you get a quarterback that follows him. That's the stuff that I find dangerous. So when the Caleb Williams came, thing came down, I really didn't have a problem with any of it. I really don't have a problem with most of players wanting to transfer. I just think it's really going to hurt the group of fives and makes, make the haves so much more than right now the have-nots. Well, there's no doubt, and I, I don't even think you have to use an example like that. I mean, there there were plenty of teams that had good seasons that their coach stayed and that players either opted to leave or opted to at least enter the transfer. I mean, we saw this a little bit in college basketball last year, Dan. I know on a national scale, college basketball is much uh, smaller covered and, and interest. But, I mean, we literally had players entering the portal just to kind of see what their options were. And and again, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it, but you know, when a coach recruits you and 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 when I say their options, I mean the coach didn't leave, there was no big shakeup, they didn't recruit over you, they didn't give your scholarship to somebody else, they didn't sign a five-star that plays the same position. But there were players that were just like, yeah, I just kind of want to see what else is out there. But then you look at the the transfer portal from the perspective that you're talking about where you know, it's been an issue in college basketball for several years now is how do you build a team? How do you build a program? Or are you just building on a year to year basis where, um, you know, I, I, it's going to be hard for those smaller schools. It's going to be hard for those smaller schools to keep guys because um, whether it is in Alabama at the highest level or even just, say, a middle tier SEC team. I mean, listen, everybody wants to play in the SEC. So you come out of the spring, you have an injury, you sit there and say, hmm, I wonder what is available, what is out there. All of a sudden, there's a player at a smaller school that kind of fits your position. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, something that gets talked about a lot, and it's true, is whether people want to admit it or not, there's tampering. There's ways to connect with players to let them know that, hey, if you happen to hit the portal, 
we would happen to have a spot for you. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a new world of college sports, and I think this is a lot of what Doug talks about, and I've heard him, you know, on multiple platforms, not just this show, but filling in for Dan Patrick and stuff like that, is the idea of a team, the idea of a program. I know it sounds cliche, but the idea of dealing with adversity, like those are things that are going to be tough to kind of monitor and, and just track and build and whatever over the next couple of years. I think in college basketball, it's interesting because, you know, we take like a school like Oral Roberts last year that made that run in, in the NCAA tournament and the sure. two star players and one stays and one there goes. You, go. you know, so like you so you, you can't say that this is how it is always going to happen. There are two different ways that, that you can look at things. I just find it so difficult to criticize to criticize any kid that's going to try to better his situation. And, and in the NFL, there, you know, it may not seem like there are a lot of jobs, but maybe there are a lot of jobs. Maybe, maybe if you're playing basketball, I, I don't know if it makes a difference. You would know more than I would, Aaron, but even playing overseas, you know, to, you know, would it behoove you to maybe play at a bigger program or a, a, a larger program than a smaller program if you just wanted to play professionally? Maybe that all takes care of itself, but it's just hard for me to criticize guys that want to move on to try to maybe make money at the next level because there's only so many years that you can make money playing sports. And it may not be for everyone. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if we're going to see transfers from, from guys who are ready to go into the business sector once they graduate. I, I don't know. I Great could call. be completely wrong with that. But I just know a, a long time ago, and I was kind of joking on how there was – remember there was the Arena Football League, but there, there was also like Arena Football League 2. <laughs> and and I was kind of I was I was I was kind of mocking it to a to a guy that played college football and he goes he goes hey any any opportunity that you can make money while you are still an athlete or in that shape is is worthwhile and 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 that stuck with me so for these guys even if you have to go you know overseas and play in Russia just like Doug did or or you know play in a different country if that's going to help you do that it's just tough for me to blame anyone tough for me to blame Caleb Williams in this situation either for for trying to uh, further his career which is likely headed to the NFL well and I I also think there was an interesting element that we kind of talked about but we kind of brushed over in that you know, we talk about this idea, this world where we give all these players all these rights. And, and I again, I have no fundamental issue with it. Um, but I think the schools are getting a little bit smarter, too. Now, Oklahoma, the, the kid Dylan Gabriel that they brought in and for people who don't know the, the new offensive coordinator at Oklahoma that they brought in thinking that it would keep Caleb Williams in town. He coached Dylan Gabriel as a freshman. Dylan Gabriel was supposed to enroll at UCLA this week. And right before Dylan Gabriel is about to enroll, they call him and say, hey, we don't know if we have a quarterback. Now Dylan Gabriel commits, and it probably realistically makes it that much more unlikely that Caleb Williams returns. And so this is also, by the way, Dan, um, you know, part of, uh, of the, the, the two sides to, um, you know, giving play, having more players empowered. And this is something I know Doug could talk about, but I've heard all sorts of stories in college basketball specifically where a player enters the transfer portal to see what his options are. Well, the coach has to move on, and the coach gives away his scholarship, and then all of a sudden that kid doesn't have a place to come back to mm. if he really wants to come back or if he maybe his options aren't quite as good uh, as, he th as he thought they would be. And so that was kind of the other interesting element of it from the Oklahoma perspective, which is they basically said, you know, we respect your decision to, to do what you think is best, but we got to do what's best for Oklahoma football. There's a real 
really good quarterback, and, and Dylan Gabriel was really good at Central Florida, that we know wants to come here, and we can't sit around and wait a week or wait 10 days or wait two weeks or wait a month for you to figure out what your decision is. So I, I do think it's interesting that, one, um, I don't know if, if it's the schools are getting smarter, if the schools are getting more cutthroat, or if it's just as we give these players more power, you know, what's the old saying? With great power comes great expectation or great responsibility or yes. something like that. And you you bring it up because Caleb Williams, you know, Caleb Williams probably isn't the best example of this because Caleb Williams is going to find a very nice landing spot and there's going to be a lot of schools. Basically, probably every single school in America would take Caleb Williams if he wanted to go there. But there's going to be other kids that they say, you know, I kind of want to see what my... And then all of a sudden, you want to come back, your scholarship's not there. That is the reality of where we are on the other side of this aspect as well i think people will feel bad for ucf they don't feel bad for ucla you, you, you know like so. when, when you look at the dylan gabriel and dylan gabriel you know the, the the him shunning ucla people won't feel bad about because they're power five and ucf will be uh, soon enough but right now they're not i think they, they'll be viewed at uh, a little differently he's aaron torres i'm dan Bayer. this is the doug gottlieb show here on fox sports radio check out the latest lines for the world of sports at bet rivers sportsbook bet rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting must be 21 must be president in colorado illinois indiana and pennsylvania to play gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER college hoops fans are going to want to stick around Yes, we rank stuff. Don't worry, it's not going to be power rankings. That's next here on Fox Sports Radio.